Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. From the C-suite to the Senate floor, women in leadership positions are at historic highs, and some research even suggests that women are more effective than men in 84% of competencies associated with leadership. Yet many accomplished and capable women continue to struggle with issues related to ambition, power, and authority. In this HR chat episode, we're going to consider what explains this disconnect. Hey, I'm Bill Bannum and I'm your host today on this episode. Listen to as we delve into ways that women can identify their career desires, maximize awareness of competencies, build relationships that will foster success and increase their effectiveness as a leader of people. My guest this time is Dr. Ellen M. Snee, executive coach to high potential and senior level women at Catalyst Coaching and author of the new book, Lead, How Women in Charge Claim Their Authority. A leadership book explicitly for women, Lead draws on Dr. Snee's groundbreaking research on women's leadership development, her coaching and consulting work to advance talented women, and her earlier life as a Catholic nun. Speaking directly to women leaders, Ellen offers new insights and reinforces them with personal experiences and those of her clients. To further transform insight into action, she provides specific exercises and action steps after each chapter. Ellen, welcome to the HR Chat Podcast. Thank you, Bill. I'm delighted to be here. Me too. I'm delighted to have you. And you are definitely, to the best of my knowledge anyway, the first former nun that I've ever had on the show. So uh, I am very, very interested on your take on on a whole bunch of issues that we're going to be covering today. Beyond my wee introduction there, can you take a moment and tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? Well, as you heard in the introduction, I've had an eclectic career as a non-academic entrepreneur and corporate executive. And each of those chapters has given me a unique perspective on how to coach and consult around issues of women's leadership. I guess people are most interested in hearing how I went from convent to corporate. And what's most relevant about my experience as a nun is that it was a unique situation where all of the roles of authority and leadership were held by women. So I had a chance in an international order to see women from countries around the world and from across the United States exercise roles of authority with all of the difference of personalities and family backgrounds that they brought to it. So when I went into the corporate and academic worlds, it was a very different experience to see all of the roles, most of the roles of authority held by men. And I felt like I had a very rich background to draw from as I helped women in those settings. Okay, let's get into the nitty gritty of today's interview. And I'm going to start with a big question for you. Okay, let's really challenge you from, from the start here. Um, Ellen, why do you believe that many accomplished 
and capable women continue to struggle with issues related to ambition, to power and, and to authority? And furthermore, what's what's holding them back? And, and maybe what are some of the positive changes that you've seen over the past few years as well? Well, I think there have been enormous changes over the last 20 years. And yet there is so much work still to be done. Let me start with the women. I think that women struggle with roles of authority for a number of reasons. One is the system is not accustomed to having women in authority roles. People are not accustomed. And so there is often a backlash. If a woman is strong in authority, she's seen as aggressive. If a woman has ambitious, she's seen as ambitious far more than her male colleagues. So I think there's a systemic dimension that impedes women. I think there's an internal component that holds women back. And this, I want to be careful, there are probably generational differences on this, but I have found with the women that I have been coaching who today would be anywhere from 40 up, often have these inner dialogues that hold them back. And they're inner dialogues about doing things perfectly. They're inner dialogues about fear of failure and the imposter syndrome, which is talked a lot about today, but has been around for probably 20 years. When I'm working with a woman as a coach, I'm often encouraging her not to try to do away with the negative inner conversations because they're often deep-rooted, maybe from childhood or experiences in school and work, but to develop alternative mantras that encourage them to think positive thoughts and feel better about themselves. And my favorite one is to have confidence in your competence. And to say that, to say that to yourself often and to say it aloud so it it's louder than the other voices that you're hearing. Now then, I'd like to, uh, for the next few questions, explore some of the concepts and some of the lessons that you share in your book and, and also within your coaching practice. Firstly, Ellen, if you don't mind, talk to me a bit about the, the concept and process of claiming your desires, communicating with purpose and, and leading with authority. Specifically, Ellen, perhaps you can briefly summarize your coaching model for, for leading from, from the inside out. Happy to do that. I developed my coaching model out of women's psychological development theory, which really focused on the relational side of human experience that was uncovered by listening to women and girls. So my model is very much about paying attention as a coach to the client's relationship to herself. What are those inner dialogues? How does she feel about her own ability? What does she want to do? What is her desire for her career? The second part is about her relationship with others. And women are great at relationships, but it's often in terms of caring for people or focusing on the people they're responsible for. And so I encourage women 
to look out and look up, look out to their peers, look out to other organizations, look out beyond their company, and then to look up at the executives above them and make sure they are building relationships. And then finally, the model is based on relationship to systems because we all are impacted by the organizations and the systems and the cultures where we work. And I try to help women become more astute about how decisions are influenced by the, um, the, the networks among the executives about how power is viewed and used within the organization. So to become much more strategically astute. I want to focus on another concept, and, and that's performance versus promotability. And you say that that's the key to career advancement. What, why do you claim there's a difference between performance and promotability? And, and why is that the key to advancing one's career? Many years ago, I attended a conference as we all do, so many conferences. But this particular presentation had a slide in it that just leapt out at me. It was reviewing all of the competencies that are associated with leadership. And as an HR audience, I'm sure you are familiar with competency theory. But this slide looked at those things that are associated with being recognized for being a good performer. Things like delivering on promises, managing people well, getting things in on time. All of the things that are required to be a good performer. And most of us know that women's women tend to overperform, which is one of the challenges. But the other column was about promotability. And it, it said that performance was necessary, but not sufficient for promotability. The additional competencies were three. One was relationships, but not the relationships women are good at relationships with senior executives. This is because when promotions are made, they're made in rooms where there are senior execs. And if the senior executives do not know you, it's going to be very hard for them to weigh in on your promotion. The second competency is about risk-taking. And I've found over the years that far too often women are risk averse. One of the ways to demonstrate your ability to take risks is to seek out what are called stretch assignments, where an individual, usually a high potential, is given a job that is beyond their current level of performance. And it is an opportunity to demonstrate that you can learn on the fly, that you can learn on the job 
quickly and deliver. Because as we know, the higher you go, the more you have to deliver and decide quickly. And so I encourage women to raise their hand for stretch assignments, to tell their boss they're eager and hope to get a stretch assignment. And then the third is something I alluded to earlier, which is being strategically astute, or what he called politically aware. All organizations have interactions between people. They have ways of communicating and of building the culture. And it's important to be wired into that and attuned to that in order to understand what it will take to be effective as a more senior leader. You also teach, Alan, the, the importance of, I like this term, holding power and embracing discomfort. Tell me about the, uh, the idea of leading with authority that goes alongside this and, and why you believe it means embracing power, not just influence. It goes back to my distinction between leadership and authority. I like to think of leadership as the ability to motivate people and mobilize them to do good work. Authority is about a role. It's about being given responsibility to hire, to fire, to promote, to write performance reviews, to sign checks, to set direction. All of those actions have power in them. You get to decide who's promoted. At times, those responsibilities can be uncomfortable because they're all about choices you're making, decisions you're making that impact other people. And what I have found in working with women is when those, and this is true for men as well, but particularly for women, it can be very difficult to encounter those decisions that involve something difficult in a relationship. And I like to say, first of all, that comfort is highly overrated. There are times when you're holding a role of authority that it will be uncomfortable. And I think you have to recognize that and be willing to take it as part of the job. I was talking to someone about this recently, and she said, it's not unlike being a parent. There are times when your role of a parent is necessary to enact, but it isn't always comfortable. And you talk about how women leaders can, can better assert their authority when necessary without harming relationship with, with others. I mean, that, that's really interesting. But my question for you really is, actually, sometimes, is it okay to put business results before personal work relationships if it means that you get the job done? Yeah, I never like to talk about putting one thing before the other. I prefer to say that you begin by focusing on the outcome that you're responsible for. And perhaps it could be that you run an organization and you're told you have to downsize, which is going to mean that you have to let a number of people go. 
once you're clear about your responsibility for a business outcome, then you turn to what's required and how individuals will be impacted. I have seen leaders handle those decisions with compassion and generosity and above all, effective communication. And we've all seen what happens when people don't. And I think that often people fail to handle those difficult moments because they don't know how to, or they're not willing to enter into it and be with the person and and be be willing to invest the time and energy to do it with compassion and generosity. I also mentioned communication because I have found that this may be a generalization, but the most pain that comes from relationships that get impacted by something that happens in work. And it may not be a firing. It may be a meeting that doesn't go well or a conversation that doesn't go well. I think more often than not, at the core, it's about communication. Communication that went awry, communication that didn't take place, or the failure to follow up with sufficient communication. And so I am a great believer in working to have your communication clear and succinct if you have to deliver a difficult conversation, being sure that you follow up with a caring conversation that checks on how the person is. But at the end of the day, We all know that there are times when things happen in our lives and at work that damage a relationship. But I don't like to think about it as I put the work above the relationship. I think it's rather that we focus on what is necessary to do, the outcome, and we deal with the consequences as well as we can. Lovely. And just finally for today, Ellen, how can how can our listeners learn more about you? So for example, listeners, um, I earlier on sent Ellen a connection request on LinkedIn. And if she's enjoyed this conversation with me today, I'm hoping she'll accept. So maybe LinkedIn is the way to go, Ellen. Um, also, how can they learn more about Catalyst Coaching? And of course, how can they get a copy of your new book, Lead? Well, let me go in reverse. The easiest way to get a copy of my book is through Amazon. It can be pre-ordered and it comes out on the 21st. You can find out more about LEAD, about my coaching, consulting, or speaking on my website, which is simply www.ellensnee.com. And I would welcome any opportunities to speak, 
to your organization, to the women in your company, at conferences, to groups of executives about any of this or the work that I have done um, at VMware to help them uh, launch their initiative to advance, retain, and promote women. So the easiest way is my website, LinkedIn, or the book at Amazon. Awesome. And just to add to Ellen's answer there, when she said the 21st, we're recording this interview today at the very beginning of September 2021. The book is set to go live to be launched on the 21st of September, which is probably about two weeks ago as as you listen to this, given uh, given the current editorial calendar at the HR Gazette and the HR Chat podcast. Um, Ellen, that just leads me to say for today, uh, again, you've been the first ex-nun that I've spoken to. This has been a fantastic and fascinating conversation. I'd love to get you on again in the future. You've got lots of very, very unique and, and, and very deep insights. Um, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Bill. And I would love to come back. There are always more levels to the topics we've talked about. Thank you again. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.